0: Well, I love the story about the elderly widow who didn't have much money, but every day she would go out onto her front porch. She would do this every morning. She'd go out onto her front porch and she'd lift her arms high into the air and she would say, praise the Lord. Well, she did this day after day. Her neighbors got used to it. In fact, her neighbors kind of liked it. They just could almost set their watches by her coming out every morning, lifting her arms and yelling, praise the Lord. Well, one day her house next door was sold and someone else moved in. It was an atheist. And the atheist, after a few days, got a little bit annoyed going out to get his morning newspaper and hearing this lady next door yelling, praise the Lord. And so after a few days of hearing this, he was fed up with that. He was up to hear with it. And so he runs out and he says, right after she yells, praise the Lord, there is no Lord. Well, this went on day after day. She would lift her arms and yell, praise the Lord. And he would answer back, there is no Lord. Well, one day she went out onto her porch and said something a little different than usual. She comes out on her porch and she lifts her hands and says, Lord, you know, I'm almost out of food. I'm starting to get a little worried here, but praise the Lord. And the atheist yells back, there is no Lord. She comes out the next day, lifts her arms and says, Lord, I'm completely out of food now. I'm starting to get worried again, but I know somehow you'll take care of me. Praise the Lord. And he yells back, there is no Lord. Well, the lady comes out on her porch the next morning and she can't believe her eyes. She looks down on her porch and there are three bags filled with groceries. And she looks in those bags. There's milk, there's cereal, there's lunch meat, there's cheese, there's eggs. Everything she needed is in those bags. And she is so excited, she lifts up her arms and says, Lord, you provided all these groceries. Praise the Lord. And guess who was waiting next door? He jumps out from behind a bush and says, Ha! The Lord didn't give you those groceries. I did. Well, the lady lifts her arms again and says, Praise the Lord, you bought me all these groceries, but you made the devil pay for them. <laughs> Well, there is a lady who, no matter what she went through, found a reason to be thankful. Amen? And so that's what we're aiming for this month. No matter what you're going through, no matter what obstacles you face, no matter what problems you encounter, there's always a reason to be praising the Lord. Our theme verse this month will be 1 Thessalonians 5. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Say that with me. give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. By the way, I'm getting over a little cold. So if my voice cuts out on occasion, you just fill in the blanks with what word is missing. <laughs> Sometimes it gives out a little little on me today. So this is our theme verse. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 I want you to hear this verse so clearly this month. And I want you to hide this verse on your heart. I want you to memorize this verse. For some of you, you may say, "I, I haven't memorized a Bible verse in years. That's okay. You're going to memorize this one. In fact, some of you can memorize it right now. It's so simple and powerful and short. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Well, we're going to come back to this verse over and over again through the message series this month. No matter what we're going through, God has called us to give thanks. Amen? No matter what you're going through, God has called you to give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Well, this morning is... We're in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It's one of my favorite kings of Judah we'll be talking about today, King Jehoshaphat. He is going to offer us a powerful example of giving thanks to God even when we're anxious and worried and stressed out. Well, the events of 2 Chronicles chapter 20 took place around 850 B.C., It had only been about 70 years since the nation of Israel had split in two. Ten tribes in the north that we usually refer to as Israel or Ephraim. And then two tribes in the south that we normally refer to as the kingdom of Judah. And as we take a a closer look at 2 Chronicles 20, the setting is that southern kingdom of Judah. And King Jehoshaphat is king. He's on the throne there in Jerusalem. And so let's begin by taking a look at verses 1 and 2 here in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Please follow along in your Bibles. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Megunites, they came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It's already at it Hazazon Tamar, that is, and Gedi. Well, let's stop there for now. To get a better idea of, of what's going on here, let's take a quick look at this map of the region here. And so here in this uh, yellow, brownish area, that was the, the region of Judah, the kingdom of Judah in those days. And so here we have these three nations from the other side, the east side of the Dead Sea, that lock arms together, they form this alliance, the nation of the Ammonites and the Moabites and the Edomites, that's the men from Mount Seir. Those three nations join forces, they find a they they they, they establish a pact, and they cross the Dead Sea and start making their way up the west coast of the Dead Sea toward the capital city of Jerusalem. And so this message is given to King Jehoshaphat, and he, this message goes like this. Hey, they're already at En Gedi. They've already conquered En Gedi. And of course, Jehoshaphat is alarmed because En Gedi, it's hard to tell from the map here, but En Gedi was just about 50 miles south of where Jehoshaphat was there in the capital city of Jerusalem. So 50 miles, that's not very far. That's like the distance between Victorville and Corona. And so even though armies in those days had to travel on foot, they still could get there in probably three days. Only about a three day walk from being at the walls outside of Jerusalem. And so Jehoshaphat and all of Jerusalem are startled. Even in Jehoshaphat's day with armies walking by foot there, that that was frightening. That was way too close for comfort to have a huge army of three combined nations almost at his doorstep. We pick up in verse 3. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Notice what Jehoshaphat doesn't do here. There's no mention of him drafting more soldiers. There's no mention of him strengthening the defenses around Jerusalem. Instead, he mobilizes the people of Judah to fast and pray. Jehoshaphat realized that his nation isn't going to be spared As the result of a mighty move of man. His nation would only be spared if there was a mighty move of God. Amen? So he rallies the people of Judah. Not to build up the walls around the city. Not to sharpen their swords or their spears. He gathers the people of Judah to fast and pray. And it says people came from every town in Judah to seek God. Picking up in verse five, Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord and in front of the new courtyard. And he said, "O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all kingdoms of the nations, power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before the temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress. And you will hear and save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. (laughs) What a great passage. I want you to imagine the scene. Several thousand Jewish men, women, teenagers and children are standing together in front of the temple They listen to Jehoshaphat's prayer, and in unity, they echo the same prayer. Jehoshaphat calls out to God as Lord, God of our fathers. The Hebrew names of God that Jehoshaphat uses here are Yahweh and Elohim. Yahweh is the holiest name of God. Remember, Yahweh means the self-existent One, the One who always has been. He is the Great I Am. No beginning and no ending. He just is. He is Yahweh. And also, He uses the name Elohim. That's what this English word God is a translation was. A translation of He is Elohim. And Elohim refers to Him being the God who is the all-powerful Creator. It's the first name of God used in the Bible right there in Genesis 1-1 where it says God created the heavens and the earth. Right there in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's Elohim. It refers to God as the all-powerful Creator. So Jehoshaphat is crying out, Yahweh Elohim! All-powerful! Self-existent One! Great I Am! Creator of heaven and earth! And then he continues his prayer by proclaiming several truths about God that he and his people know to be true. God, You are in heaven God, You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in Your hand. No one can withstand You. God, You gave this land we are standing on to Abraham and and we have built a sanctuary for Your name. In verses 9 and 10, Jehoshaphat calls to mind the promise God had made to his great-great-grandfather, King Solomon. Here we have Jehoshaphat on the throne. He was the great-great-grandson of King Solomon who had built that temple they were all standing in front of. And remember what God had promised Solomon about a hundred years earlier there in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. God had said, If My people who are called by My name will humble themselves and pray and seek My face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And so Jehoshaphat calls out and says, God, you remember that promise you made? Certainly you do. You made my great-great-grandfather that promise. And so we are leaning on that promise right now. We are in distress and we are crying out to you for help. In verses 10-12, through 12, Jehoshaphat lays out their predicament before God. He confesses the cold, hard facts of the matter. We have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And we don't know what to do. And then the key words, but our eyes are upon you. Wouldn't that be a a, a glorious, refreshing breath of fresh air for the leader of the United States at any point in time to stand before the people of our nation and say, we are powerless to face this enemy. We need the Lord our God. To intervene. Here we are, we face this problem, and we don't know what to do. We need the Lord our God to show us what to do. This was a humble, humble leader. There in front of his people freely admitting that he was powerless to help their nation, and he was clueless as to how to fix this problem. And so he knew that they badly needed to lean on God. One of the classic books on prayer was written in 1931 by the Norwegian theologian named O. Hallisby. And I want you to listen to this excerpt from what he says about prayer in his book. He writes, prayer and helplessness are inseparable. Only those who are helpless can truly pray. Listen, my friend, your helplessness is your best prayer. It calls from your heart to the heart of God with greater effect than all your uttered pleas. God hears it from the very moment that you are seized with helplessness and He becomes actively engaged at once in hearing and answering the prayer of your helplessness. Isn't that good? Do you believe those words? Your helplessness is your best prayer. I'd like you to say with me, my helplessness is my best prayer. One more time. My helplessness is my best prayer. King Jehoshaphat and his people knew that there is this huge army down the interstate that is larger and stronger and meaner than their own army. And they're helpless. They're sitting ducks. So helpless that they don't have a clue what to do other than to cry out to God for His mercy and His deliverance. But you know what? The place of helplessness was the very best place Jehoshaphat could have been. And the same is true for you. Some of you are not where you need to be with Christ today because you have not yet reached the place of helplessness. You've still got too much pride. You've still got too much self-sufficiency. You've still got too much success that you lean on. You don't lean on God because you don't think you have no choice but to lean on God. You don't think you're helpless. Well, I hope and pray that very soon you realize how helpless you really are so that God can move in your life like He moved in Jehoshaphat's life. I just love verse 13. It says, All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. Wow, entire families gathered together, standing together in prayer, husbands and wives together in humble prayer, moms and dads side by side with their teenagers and their children and even their toddlers united in prayer. I I like how those two little words, little ones are included. And so God in his word wanted to make it clear to us that even those preschoolers, even those TKers, even those little toddlers who hadn't been walking very long, even they stood there and lifted their little hands in prayer to God. What a glorious thing. Your family needs to see that you don't have all the answers, but you know who does. You and I as parents, those of you who are grandparents, we need to follow the example of these leaders of their homes here in Second Chronicles 20. Your family needs to see that you can't fight and win all the battles you face, but you know who can. Your family needs to see that at times you are scared and you're stressed out and you don't have all the answers, but you're quick to cry out to God who is strong. And will fight for you. And does have all the answers. Jehoshaphat leads his people to cry out to God in prayer. And on the heels of this humble, faith-filled prayer, look what happens next. Picking up in verse 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah a Levite and descendant of Asaph. As he stood in the assembly, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Well, God's Spirit comes upon this Levite named Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, and he begins to prophesy, and what a wonderful, encouraging prophecy it is. This is what the Lord says to you. He, he basically tells them three things. Number one, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. How often do we hear God saying this in Scripture. It's the most repeated command in the entire Bible. God says it, says it over and over and over again. Do not be afraid. Abraham, don't be afraid. I will protect you. Mary, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. God has to remind His followers over and over and over again, do not be afraid. Christian, if you are following Jesus Christ and obeying His Word, I have something very important to share with you, a word from the Lord today. Do not Be afraid. Life is stressing you out. Do not be afraid. The bills are piling up and you don't have the money to pay them. Do not be afraid. You're worried about your marriage. You're worried about your kids. You're worried about your job. You're worried about Tuesday's election. Christian, do not be afraid. The second basic thing that's in the prophecy is the battle is not yours, but God's. That's the second message that prophet has to share. Isn't that a good message? The battle isn't yours, it's God's. Jehoshaphat, what made you think that this huge army marching against Jerusalem is coming after you? They're not coming against you. The Moabites, the Ammonites, the meunites they're marching against God. So this battle isn't your battle. It's God's battle. You are a servant of God, so you are safe under his banner. He will do the fighting, and when God joins a fight, you better believe he always wins that fight. The third thing the prophet shares, tomorrow march down against them. Take up your positions, standing firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Well, when Jehoshaphat hears these prophetic words, you just know a huge burden is lifted off his shoulders. Well, let's finish the passage picking up in verse 18 to see what happens on the heels of this prophecy. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and he said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in the prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out at the head of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. And they were defeated The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground, so no one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, where they praised the Lord. They praised the Lord. I just love this passage. When Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah hear that the prophet speaks words of deliverance, The heavy burden of worry and fear is lifted from their shoulders and they are overwhelmed with thankfulness. It says they fell down in worship before the Lord. There in verse 19, some of the Jewish worship leaders, the Levites, get up off the ground and they start praising God very loudly. Verse 20, early in the morning, Jehoshaphat and the men of Judah, they get up, they waste no time, they're not sleeping in, they're not twiddling their thumbs, they get up early and they start marching. They start marching toward their enemy. But before they leave, Jehoshaphat gives them a spiritual pep talk. He says, listen to me. Have faith in the Lord your God. You will be upheld. You will be successful. And then Jehoshaphat carries out one of the most unorthodox military strategies in the history of warfare. Most generals would put some of their best soldiers at the front, at the head of their army. Maybe some of their best uh, slingmen or maybe some of their best spearmen. Maybe some of their best Foot soldiers, but not Jehoshaphat. He puts his praise team on the front lines. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> he starts his army marching. At the head of that army is his praise team, his men's choir. And they're singing praises to the Lord, and all the guys with their weapons are falling in behind the praise team. I love the wording in verse 21. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And we even have some of the lyrics from their song recorded for us in verse 21. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Now, it's one thing to talk about how important it is to thank and to praise God. But most of us want to know, does praising God actually do any good? Does being thankful actually work? Well, it certainly worked for King Jehoshaphat and Judah. Look at verse 22. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir. I, I can see something in my mind's eye that, that I want you to see as well. So at the front of their army, at the head of their army, are these men praising and worshipping God with everything they've got. They're belting it out to God, praising Him, singing to Him, worshipping Him. And as they praise God, as they are thankfully worshipping God, I want you to envision in your mind that their praise is propelling the Spirit of God ahead of them onto the battlefield. And so the Spirit of God is thrust onto the battlefield through the praises of God's people. I think that's pretty amazing. No one can convince me that there's not power in thankfulness and praise. The battle truly did belong to the Lord. Amen? The battle belonged to the Lord. Well, I want to share with you three steps To being thankful when stressed. So three steps to being thankful when stressed. Here we go. Step number one. Begin by humbly taking your problems and your stresses to God. Begin by humbly taking your problems and your stresses to God. (coughs) When first hearing the news that a huge enemy army was marching in his direction, Just about any leader in Jehoshaphat's position would have had a thought like this one. Oh, shoot. (laughs) We don't have much time. We don't have a moment to lose. Now, what would most kings or generals do with that precious little time they had before that impending marching invasion came? Well, maybe they'd shore up the defenses around the city. Maybe they would sharpen the soldiers' spear tips and swords, possibly recruit another few thousand soldiers. There are any number of things that kings could have done in King Jehoshaphat's shoes. But notice what King Jehoshaphat actually does do. His first reaction was to do something entirely different than most kings and most generals would have done. King Jehoshaphat's first response was to pray. To really pray. And mobilize everyone around him to pray. Jehoshaphat was able to be thankful later because he was prayerful first. So don't miss that. You will be able to be thankful later if you are prayerful first. The same holds true for you and me. If you want to be a thankful person, able to thank God. And praise God in the midst of your stress and anxiety and fear, then you need to start responding to your stresses in an entirely different way. Instead of acting first and praying later, you need to pray first and act later. You might say, I'm just too busy to stop and pray. Well, you need to change your mentality, you need to change the way you think, you need to change your priorities. The fact is, you're too busy not to pray. You're not so busy that you don't have time to pray. You need to pray, and then God will help you with your busyness. When the stress is mounting, begin by taking your problems and your stress to God. Step number two, as we move on this path to being thankful when we're stressed. Take hold of both the commands... And the promises of God. Now, initially, I was just going to have a step to take hold of the promises of God. But that's a little too simple. We we talk about this often, taking hold of the promises of God. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. He who has begun a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, I will not tempt you beyond what you can bear, but I will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. I will work all things together for good for those who love me and are called according to my purpose. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We talk often about these promises, but God was reminding me as I was typing this out. It's not just about taking hold of his promises. We also have to take hold of his commands. Let's be honest with each other. One of the reasons we get so stressed out is because we don't even try to obey most of God's commands. Well, let me take that back. Let me say it this way. One of the problems we have with getting so stressed out is we don't take hold of God's most oft-repeated command in the Scriptures. Remember what that is. The command He speaks more than any other command, do not be afraid. Yet we completely forget to obey that command over and over and over again when we face stressful situations and stressful seasons in our lives. We have to obey God's command. He says, do not be afraid. Well, that's easier said than done, Dane. Well, maybe. But the Holy Spirit can help you more effectively, fear not, when you remember and believe the promises of God. God made certain promises to Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat believed them and took hold of them. And God has made certain promises to you and me, and we need to believe them. And take hold of them as well. Amen? Finally, step number three on this path to being thankful when the stressors come. Praise God for who He is and thank God for what He's done. It will feed your faith and lower your anxiety. Let me say that one more time. Praise God for who He is and thank God for what He's done. It will feed your faith and lower your anxiety. Nine times out of ten, when we're stressed, it's because we've taken our eyes off of God. Praising God for who He is and thanking Him for what He's done redirects our attention to God and reminds us that God is much bigger and God is much stronger than any of our problems. Jehoshaphat's enemies had a big army, but his praise and thankfulness reminded him that God was even bigger. Jehoshaphat's enemies had plans to destroy him, but his praise and worship reminded him that God is sovereign and his plans and purposes will always prevail. That being the case, there is always, always, always something to praise and thank God for. The famous 17th century Bible scholar Matthew Henry was once mugged by thieves And they robbed him of his wallet, left him a little bit beat up. I don't think he was badly hurt, but you know, when you're mugged, you know, it it leaves you pretty shaken. It's amazing what he wrote in his diary later that day. Here's what he wrote. Let me be thankful. First, because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it wasn't much. Fourth, because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. Wow. Even after being mugged and having every bit of money he had on him stolen, he had things for which to be thankful. And he focused that evening on praising and thanking God. Isn't that remarkable? Late in life, well-known author and humorist Emma Bombeck developed breast cancer. And I want you to listen to what she wrote one day. An estimated 1.5 million people are living today after bouts with breast cancer. Every time I forget to feel grateful to be among them, I hear the voice of an eight-year-old named Christina who had cancer of the nervous system. When asked what she wanted for her birthday, she thought long and hard and finally said, I don't know. I have two sticker books and a cabbage patch doll. I have everything. And Emma Bombeck finishes her writing by saying this. The kid is right. (laughs) The kid is right. Yes, Emma Bombeck, the kid is right. I have everything. Christian, you have everything. Therefore, God has called you to give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank You for working so faithfully Every single day of my life, every single day of our lives, and Lord, you are good to us over and over again, time and time again. We have our health, we have our faculties. We have a roof over our heads. We have the clothes on our back. We have food to eat. We have water to drink. We have family who loves us. We have a wonderful church. We have our salvation in Christ. We have the hope of eternal life. We have a relationship with our creator, God. We get to be with you forever and ever in heaven. And that's only the tip of the iceberg. Lord, you've been so good to us. Please help us to redirect our attention this month to stop focusing on the stuff of this world that stresses us out and help us to learn to be thankful in all circumstances because we do truly believe this is your will for us in Christ Jesus. Teach us to give thanks this month like never before, especially when times get stressful. Help us to praise and give thanks to you And I believe you will bolster our faith and you will lift those stressors off our shoulders and help us to live more at peace because we have redirected our focus where it should have been all along. You've redirected our focus to focus on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Say it with me one more time. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. May God bless you as you walk in gratitude and thankfulness this week. Do not miss a single week this month of November as we build on what we talked about today and learn to be Christians who are very, very thankful and give praise to God no matter what comes our way. God bless you.